0: We're all a part of God's body,
1: stand with
0: me, agree with me. We're all a part of God's body, it is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all of God's body, it is His will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I need you.
1: man, you are important to me, and I need you to survive. You know, as Brother James was saying earlier in the service, that we need to have the love and respect for one another rather than showing it at a time a person that left away from you because once they're gone, it's over for them. This is the time that we should show our love and respect for one another because we need each other to survive. It took one of our loved ones to get ill and knock at that door to get us together. Well, we could have been together just by giving praise and worship to God. Not just coming in just to say that we came. Not just to sing because we know the lyrics. But to give true worship to God. Because God has been too good to us. I say God has been too good to us. He he never failed us. He never failed us. He never went back on his word. But how many times have we went back on our word? How many times we went back on our word and God was still there but open arms waiting for us to return, waiting for us to get our act together, waiting for us to repent and say we sorry and accept us back as a child. Yes. It had to take a loved one. And just as he was saying about that, I was thinking when I was on my knees at the altar praying or sometime today, I know it was today, and I was saying To myself, it came to me how one person brought a church and a family together like Christ was one person who brought a whole world together. It always took one. It don't take a whole full church. All it takes is just one. And just think about it. You can be that one. Any of us could be that one person that could bring things together. And when we do it, we're not doing it by ourselves. We're not doing it for the praise of men, but we're doing it for what? The glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. Because with this that's bringing us together and bringing us back to where we once was, who's getting the glory out of this? God is getting the glory. We might be grieving. We might be stressing. We might be doing this, that, and the other because of it. But look at the outcome. That's what you have to look at. You have to look at the outcome from the process. All of it is a process. And at the end of the process, you have a product. And the product is that we're back on our knees again. We're back fasting again. We're back loving each other again. We're back repenting again. We're doing these things because God has brought us back to order. This is what they say in the courthouse when you're in the court and the judge walk in. What they say? Order in my court. And this is what God is saying. It says that that our body is the temple of God. This is where God got to bring order. He brings order inside of us. Order in God's house. Let everything be done decent and in order. Our lesson on today is going to come from the book of James. The first chapter of the book of James. And we're going to read one verse of scripture, verse 19. Verse 19 in the book of James of chapter 1. Verse 19, chapter 1 of James. And the word of God says, from the first chapter of James, verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let me read the other verse, verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, be slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We like to speak from the subject, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Our Father and our eternal God, our Savior, our God, our strength, our Redeemer, we thank you once again for the privilege, for the opportunity, once again, to be found in the house of worship, where prayers to be heard and mercy can be found. Lord, where we can feel your presence and hear your word. Father, let us receive your word on today. Give us a receptive heart and an open ear that we may receive, dear God, that we may look at ourselves and judge ourselves that we may not be judged in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Father, we be mindful, Lord, to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church say, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're talking today. Concerning the mouth. Watch your mouth. We say many things concerning people about what they say. And what we've heard them say. We we, we say these things concerning people, but little do we understand is that we're talking too, and we're saying what others are saying, and we fail to realize that we're no better than what they are because we are saying just as much as what they are saying. So God gave me this message to tell everyone that we need to watch your mouth. Watch my mouth. Because there's evil things that could proceed out of your mouth as well as my mouth, as well as out of the mouth of the person who we're talking about. And so James, one of the disciples of Christ, he tells us, "Beloved," he say, "Well for my beloved brethren." He, he 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 didn't call he didn't call them anything different. He called them a brother. One that is beloved, yes, a beloved brother. He he's calling their attention to them out. I remember being in school, I was we was in in the music class. And in the music class, they teach you how to sing in harmony with one another. And so I remember when the teacher was trying to teach us about whether you're alto, uh, soprano, whatever you may be, at the time the teacher was talking, some of us was talking. And, he, and she, she simply said these words, we can all sing together. But we all can't talk together. And, and, and I believe that some of us also didn't heard the fact that when you're talking, you can't listen. And if you're listening, then you're not, you're not talking. A person who's talking can't hear because you can't do both at the same time. And so he, he, he's trying to convey something to the readers, to his listeners, and let them know that you need to be swift to hear. Don't talk so much. Listen sometime at what a person is saying to you. Because it could be a matter of life and death. But sometimes we're so busy running our mouth, we want to be heard. We want to be seen of men like we're so important and that we know so much to get the attention of people and we have lost the attention of God. We have lost God's attention because we're not hearing from God. We're running our mouth because we want to be seen. We want to see him like as if though we know so much. We got so much going on that everything somebody says, every question is asked, we got the answer to it. But I'm reminded in the scripture, the Bible said that without me, you can do nothing. We don't know nothing. We don't have nothing if it's not for God. And so he tells, he tells the listeners, he said, be, 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 be quick, be swift. When something is being said, be quiet and listen at what a person is saying. Because it could be something to save your life. It could be something to advance you in life. So be swift. Listen. Listen sometimes. Sometimes we think that because we're young that older people can't tell us anything. You live your life. Let me live mine. That's old and antiquated, what you're talking about. We don't do these things no more. We don't, we don't act like that anymore. Mama, daddy, grandpa, grandma, we're young. We don't, we don't wear those type of clothes no more. We don't live like that anymore. Well, let me tell some of y'all young people something. That when we was coming up, we didn't have many girls that got children out of wedlock. You didn't have many murders on the street. You didn't have many people talking about them coming out the closet. A whole lot of things that happened when we was young, who you call old folks now, we didn't have those problems in our society. We was able to sleep with our doors open. We was able to walk out of our back doors and go to our neighbor house and get a meal when mama didn't cook and when mama didn't have food. We was able to do these things. Why? Because we were children that would listen to our elders. And we would show respect to those who came before us. And so James is telling them, say, look, my beloved brethren, I'm telling you this because I love you and I care about your welfare and your well-being. Listen sometimes at what a person has to say. Listen. Because if you listen, sometimes it can save your whole world of trouble. And so after he conveyed the first message to them about hearing, do you realize this is how we we got saved? We came into somebody's church, and we heard somebody preach the word of God. And our faith stepped in, and we accepted Christ, as our Savior. Because the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we have to be swift to hear when God has something to say to us. It may not be what we want to hear, but it's something that we need to hear. Do you realize sometimes a person can verbally chastise you and correct you to keep you from going down the wrong path? So whatever it is somebody's trying to tell you from the words of wisdom and from some self-experience, we need to learn how for some time just listen. Hear what a person has to say. Right before we picked up the offering, Brother James got up and asked, can he have a word? And he spoke some very important lessons to us concerning life and death. And we need to learn how to give God more appreciation and more of our time and service and come into God's house with thanksgiving upon our lips because of what God has done. How he has spared our lives up to this very present moment. Sometimes we take life for granted because we don't hear what other persons is going through. We don't hear about Tragic situations that others have suffered. All we have to do is just listen at the news. Just listen sometime at what the news is saying. Don't be in such of a hurry. Don't be concerned about sports and all kind of other gossip that's going on on the, on the gossip wire. If we listen at something, we'll, we'll learn how to appreciate the life that God has given us. If we just take time to hear an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit has to say unto the church. Paul says in the book of Romans that a carnal mind cannot comprehend the spiritual things of God because they are kernel minded. We that are spiritual minded, we can hear and receive what God is saying to us. We can decipher what God is trying to convey to us. Why? Because we have spiritual ears to, to hear what God is saying, even in a tragic situation. And so he goes on to say, be slow to speak. Don't talk so fast. Your mouth can get you into a world of trouble. Don't talk so fast. And what, what Jan was trying to say to his brothers. He's talking about the Israelites because he said, my beloved brethren, those that are in Christ Jesus, there's something how you have to wake the church up. Now this is the church he's talking to. This is born-again believers that need to know what God is trying to say to us, that we may set an example for those that's coming behind us and for the people who don't know Christ as we do. And so this was so important that he, he goes on even into chapter 3, talking about the mouth. And he goes on to say that the tongue, it is a world of evil. The smallest, one of the smallest members of the body can cause the most harm to the body. He portrays it as, and, and uses it as an example. He says, as fierce and, and, and as a horse is, you can take a bridle and put it in the horse mouth and control the way that a horse would go. You can control the horse direction if you just put a small bit in the mouth of a horse. as huge as an animal as a horse is. Powerful as an animal as a horse is. As fast as a horse could run and high as he could jump, just a just a bridle you can put in his mouth and control that horse. He said, but the tongue is a small member too. And he goes on to say about a ship, as large and fierce as a ship is, and the way the wind can control it and, and turn it to and fro. He said, But all it takes is a small rubber to control the direction that a ship can go in. He said, but the tongue can no maintain. It's hard to, for a person to control the tongue. The Bible says it uttered and boasts great things, but yet it set a whole world on fire. The tongue can destroy a marriage. If you don't watch what the tongue would say, A tongue can destroy a family if you don't be careful about what your tongue will say. If you can't control it, it seems to control you. You got to watch with your mouth. Watch your mouth, what your mouth is saying. It sets a whole world on fire. It can set a relationship on fire. Fire is a consuming entity. It burns houses down. It it burns fields down. It burns trees down. Fire, it will consume you. It destroys. And the Bible said this is what the thief comes to do. He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. This is what the tongue can do. It can destroy a person's relationship. The tongue can destroy a a, a person's character. If you just let it blab with everything that it want to say. I'm reminded in the book of Judges, they had this young man called Jephthah. Jephthah was one of the judges of Israel. But Jephthah had a problem. He was half-breed. His mother was a prostitute. But his father was a Giladite. His father had other sons. And the sons, who was whole breed, if you allow me, was from the same mother and the same father. Their mother was not a prostitute. She was from the family of the Giladites. Married a man of Gilad who was a Giladite. But time. He was the father's son, but he was not the, the son of the other brother's mother. His mother was a prostitute. Lord help us. And so the brothers, they decided that they were going to put Jephthah out because he was a half-breed. It said you would not enjoy the inheritance of our father because your mom is a prostitute. Your mama was one of the, the, the ladies of the night. She bring a bad name to our family. And so to keep the shame away from our family, Jephthah, you got to go. And so they put Jephthah out the family, kicked him away from the house. But Jephthah, the Bible said, was a valid man. He was a man of valor. He had courage. He wasn't fearing in his heart the enemies. And during the time they did this, at the time they kept, kicked Geta out the house, now you got to, like I said, you got to watch your mouth because your mouth can come back to haunt you. And so when he kicked Geta out, at the same time God allowed the Ammonites to rise up against the Israelites, and he wanted to fight them. At the same time, they was having problems with the Philistines. They had problems on both hands, and so they became afraid. They didn't know what to do because most of them wasn't that refined in how to fight a warfare. But Jatai, he was a valiant man, a man of valor, one who knew how to go out and war, one who knew how to get victory in the battle. So they went over to a place called Tab, where Jatai had resided. When they put him out of Gilead, the Bible says he went over to a country called Tob. And so they knew where Jettai was. That's funny how you knew where something at where you need some help. And so when they went to, 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 to fetch him, the Bible says, they went to fetch him. Isn't that a funny word to use? They fetched the man. When you, when you, you have a dog to do what? You're fetching. And so the Bible says that when they went to fetch Jettai, he was sitting around taking his ease. And the, the leaders and the elders came to him and asked him to come back over to Gilad to fight for him. Because the Ammonites had rose up against them. They didn't know what to do or which way to turn because the enemy was at their gate. So Jehoshaphat told him, say, you remember the words that you spoke to me. You remember the words that you said to me. How you broke my heart and how bad you made me feel when you called my mama a harlot, a prostitute, and that I had no inheritance with you. You put me out. You kicked me out. You talked to me real bad. But now you need me. So now that you need me, what is it that you're going to do for me if I come back to fight your battle? huh? You got to watch your mouth. You never know. The same bridge you cross over. It's the same bridge you got to come back across. So Jephthah had them right where he wanted them. Don't let a person put you in the place that they want you. Don't let them, don't let them be at your and demand. And so they tell Jephthah, we're going to make you captain. We're not only going to put you over our army, we're going to put you over everything in the, in the land of Gilead. You're going to be the captain over us. Whatever you say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to let you call the shots. We're not worrying about whether your mama's a prostitute. We don't care where she come from. You're one of us. Lord, that's something how a person can say that you're with them, and you're one of them when they need you. Lord, help us in the day. So Jephthah had him to sign an agreement that, that when he come back to fight for him, that they wouldn't go back on their word because they had did this once before. And so they signed this agreement. So Jephthah, he comes back to Gilead to fight the Ammonites. Now if anybody's a Bible reader in here, or who's listening into our service, if you know where Amnon came from. Amnon was one of their brothers. Amen. One of their long lost brothers that came through the brother Lot. Lot's daughters had laid with him in the cave. Amen. And had a baby, amen, they committed incest, amen, you got to remember where you come from, that's funny how we can talk about other people, and call other people this, that, and the other, but you got to remember, brother, where you come from, you come from a life of crime, you come from a life of homing and sinning and, and shooting dope and carrying drugs and all of these different things, and you got the nerve to want to talk about where another person come from, so get tired. He gained the respect now because they need him. Isn't that something how people can respect you and look up to you when they need you? That's why you got to watch your mouth. Look at your neighbor and tell them, watch your mouth. So Jephthah, he goes back over to Gilad and have them to sign this agreement that he would be the captain. So Jephthah, he, he used a strategy and he goes to the Ammonites and, and he tried to convince them that we don't need to fight because the land that we're living in was a land that God gave us. If your God, if Shamush, your God, would have fought for you and gave you this land, should not this land be yours? He tried to reason with them, but the Ammonites would not listen. That's funny how people can hold a grudge over you because something you did, something they did, but yet they want to hold a grudge on you. Something they did, and they want you to say you're sorry to them. It was the Ammonites who had committed incest. Lot's daughters committed this incest. And they, and, and, and they, wasn't, they, they, they wasn't so proud of what happened. And so what they did, they, they separated themselves from the tribe. They separated themselves from their own people. And now they are jealous over what God has done for the people of Israel. And so now they want to hold it against them and want to take their land. But that's I say we're not giving up. Baby, you can't give up ground. Because somebody don't like you. You can't give up ground because something somebody else did, and they want you to try and make you feel bad. Anybody here ever had somebody want to try and put you on a guilt trip for something that they did? And they want you to tell them you sorry for something they did to you, and they try to put you on a guilt trip? Well, this is what the Ammonites was trying to do to the Israelites. They was trying to put them on a guilt trip for something they did some years ago. So Jephthah said, okay, since you don't want to reason and you still want to fight, then I'm going to go and talk to my God and you go talk to your God. And the Bible say when Jephthah got down the business, he went to talking to God because now he didn't put himself in a position with pride. That's something how, how you can be a godly person and you can be puffed up with pride. You can let people push you to the point and make you feel that you're more than what you really are. That's why Paul said that God had placed a thorn in his side so he don't think of himself more than he should think of himself because he spoke with so many different languages. Because people looked at Paul and heard how he preached and how he taught the word of God, and people applauded him and patted him on the back. He said, but God placed a thorn. Woo! He placed a thorn in his side to bring him back down to earth. Sometimes God will do something to you. When people look up to you and make you think that you're more than you are, and so he placed a thorn in Paul's side, and the Bible says he went to God and said, "God, what is this? I'm, pre- I'm preaching for you. I'm teaching the people for you. I'm going here and I'm being stoned because of you. Why is this thing placed in me?" He said, "Paul, he said, my grace, my grace is sufficient." Jeptai hasn't got on his high horse and pride had stepped in because the people had puffed him up full of pride saying that we know we can get the victory, Jephthah, if you come back to fight for us. And so now since he thought he had the upper hand, he had them to sign this agreement and say, let me be your captain. Not just because I'm going out to fight, but when the battle is over, I want you to know that I'm still over you. you and so he knew that he had to do something to gain this victory. Why? Because he wanted that position. Baby, you got to be careful what you say or what you do because you want a position in this world. The Bible said that Jephthah began to talk to God. And look what he said. Being puffed up full of pride. Look what Jephthah tells God. God, if you give me this victory, if you let me be victorious in this battle, If you let me live up to all that I have said to the people and all that the people have said about me, if you give me this victory, Lord, when I come back home, the very first thing I see come out of my house, Lord, I'm going to offer it to you as a burnt offering. Lord, help us here today. Say, Lord, the very first thing come out of my house to meet me after you give me this victory, Lord, I'm going to offer it to you as a burnt sacrifice. I'm going to give it to you as an offering. So the Bible said that when Jephthah, he went out to the battle. He didn't wait till the battle come to him. The Bible said he crossed the Jordan River and went over into the land of the Ammonites, and he began to fight. And the Bible said he whipped them from one side of Jordan to the other side, from one place, one part of the land to the other place of the land, till he got total victory in all ten cities. He took the fight to them. This is what God wants us to do. He wants to take the fight to the devil. Don't sit back and be a defender. Be, stand up and be a victor. We're not a victim. We're a victor. The Bible said we are more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens. us. Christ gives us the victory. And so Jephthah will make it seem like it was all about him. Oh, but after he had talked to the people and left the people, he began to get busy with God. But one thing that he did, he made a vow. He made a promise to God that he couldn't keep. He said, Lord, the very first thing that meet me when I come from the battle out of my house, I'm going to dedicate it to you. I'm going to up to you as a burnt offering. But little did he know, little did he know, when he came home, <laughs> when he came home, I say, <laughs> when he came home, huh, when he started walking down huh, that same pathway that left him from his house, It was the same pathway he took to come back to his house. And the very first thing uh, that Jephthah laid his eyes on, the very first thing he saw that came running out of his house, they had tambourines and they were dancing. But the very first thing he saw was his daughter. The Bible says that the only child he had was that one little girl, that one little girl that he loved, that one little girl that he cherished, that one little girl he was waiting to come back home to. And he said, Lord, whatever, whatever come out of my house, whatever that I see first, whatever that come out of my house, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to lay it up on the altar. I'm going to give it to you as a burnt offering. I'm going to set it on fire. I'm going to give it back to you because you gave me the victory because I need you. I need you to fight for me. So I need to give you something back. Uh, The Bible says that we need to give God praise. The Bible says we need to lift up our voices. The Bible says that everything that has breath uh, praise the Lord. Uh, But he wasn't praising God. He gave a promise to God. How many? How many? How many of us? How many? How many of us told God, Lord, uh, if you do this, uh, Lord, I'll do that. Uh, Lord, if you get me out of this, uh, I'll serve you. Lord, if you save me, I'll be with you the rest of my day. Lord, if you bless me. How many? How many? How many of us give promises to God that we didn't keep? Jephthah, when he's coming down the road, he saw his daughter coming to him, and he realized that he had to give his daughter as a burnt offering as a burnt sacrifice to God. The Bible said Jephthah began to rent his clothes. He couldn't rejoice. He couldn't rejoice, I say, because he knew he had to give his daughter, and he ripped his clothes in a state of mourning. When people thought that he should be uh, having victory, when he thought they should be rejoicing, when he thought that they should have been throwing a party, Jephthah was moaning. He ripped off his clothes. He began to wail on the ground. He began to cry out, because he knew he had been made a vow unto God. Lord help us here today. He knew he had to give up his daughter, the only child he had. He knew that once his child was gone, his name would be would be wrote out of history. He knew that he wouldn't have no more descendants. No his daughter wasn't gonna be able to have children, wasn't gonna be able to give him a grandson, wasn't gonna be able to give him a granddaughter, because he had to give her <coughs> for a burnt offering. Because he had told God, said if what first thing I see. Come out of my house, sir. Huh? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to sacrifice it to you because you've been good to me, because you saved me. You gave me the victory over my enemies. There was more than me. There was more powerful than me. But, Lord, you gave me the victory. And now I'm going to give you something. And the very first thing I see come out of my house, huh? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to offer it up to you. Lord, help us here today. But Lil I no. The first person ran out of his house to meet him coming from the battle, was his daughter. And the Bible said it was his only child. Nobody was left in his house, amen, to carry on his name. Nobody was left to call him father. Nobody was left to sit on his lap and talk about daddy. Nobody was left to kiss him on his face. Nobody was left For him to wake up in the morning, to make some toys for him, to make some clothes for him, to go out and work for him, so he can look and see what he's done for his child.
0: Nobody,
1: nobody was left for because he opened his mouth. I say you got to watch. You have to watch your mouth. You have to watch your mouth. Your mouth can cause your whole world of trouble. Amen. The Bible says that the daughter told his father, say, whatever you vow to God. Whatever you say to God, we got to keep it. We got to keep it. Amen. You told God, if he give you the victory, you'll give him the first thing. Since I was the first thing, Father, we got to keep our word. Lord, help us. When the child got to, got to remind you, when the child got to tell you what you said to God, child got to tell you what you said you're going to do for the family, child got to tell you how you should carry yourself. A child got to tell you. How to be a father to them. A child got to tell you how to carry yourself. The child told her father, You made a vow to God, and we got to keep our word. Just give me two months. Give me two months for my friends. Let me go out into the mountains and, and bewail my virginity. I won't have a ch- time. I want to have a chance to be married. I won't have a chance to have children. I won't have a chance to enjoy a husband. I won't have a chance to enjoy my own household. Just give me two months. Lord, just two months. Give me two months, and I'm going to come back, and you can offer me. You can give me to God. You can do whatever you need to do, but just give me these two months. Just give me 60 days. Lord, help us here today. What's going to happen in two months? Only God knows. What's going to happen in these 60 days that's coming? Only God knows. Lord, help us here. Just said, daughter, say, say, Father, just give me, give me two months to go be way on my virginity. Lord, help us here today. Hmm. You have to watch what you say.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Watch, your watch your mouth. Watch what you say to God. Because what you say to God, God expects you to keep. Lord help us here today. Sometimes we want to go back on our word. But it takes a child. Amen. It took Sam laying in the bed. It took Sam to be sick. For to remember. For to remember what we said to God. For us to remember what we supposed to be. Well, we remember what we got to be. Lord, help us here today. One of the brothers, amen, was praying for their brother, praying for him, fasting for him, talking to God for him, trying to encourage him. And he told him, "Say, say, Sam, if you get up, and when you get up, I'm going to preach. But you got to watch your mouth. You got to watch what you say, because God will hold you for what you said. He said, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach my first message, saying when you get up. Lord help us here today. God is waiting. God is moving. Even to confound the minds of the doctors saying this guy, he so sure moving at a fast pace. We don't know what's going on because a person in his condition shouldn't be doing what he's doing. Shouldn't be moving like he's moving. But something is happening. God is shaking something up. He's moving and he's shaking something up because God is waiting for that young man to preach his first sermon. You better start studying. You better start getting yourself together because God is on the way. God is on the move. God is moving your brother. God is about to send him to a flow. Lord help us. God is about to pick him up and turn him around for you to preach your first sermon. Lord help us today. You've been preaching in your sleep, you've been preaching on your job, but now it's time for you to preach. In the house of God. Lord help us here today. God is moving. God is getting somebody ready to take my place. I don't know how long I got. It could be two months. It could be 60 days. It could be however. But God is stirring something up and getting somebody. He's getting somebody ready to take my place. Lord help us today. Somebody's on the way. Somebody's on the way. God said, I heard my wife say, Hey, don't worry. Just hold on. Help. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Because somebody opened their mouth. Somebody said something to God. Lord, help us here today. Somebody said something to God and got God busy in the heaven. Got God busy. He got up off his feet. <laughs> I know they say it after seven days he rested. <laughs> but when we say something, we get God busy in the heaven. He start moving because he heard his child. He start moving because somebody made a vow. He start moving because somebody promised him what they were going to do. And so he start moving and storing things up. Yes, he did. He just take one man to stir a whole life up. Take one man, stir a whole family up. Take one man to stir up the church. He took one man to stir things up because he heard. He heard what he had been wanting to hear for a long time. He knew what's in us. He knew what he placed on the inside of us. He said, "I've been waiting." A lot of times we say, "Lord, I'm waiting on you," but God said, "You ain't waiting on me, son. I've been waiting on you all the time." You remember when I did this? I was trying to get your attention. You remember when I did that? I was trying to get your, get your attention. You went and did this, but it wouldn't go true. You tried for your credit, and that didn't happen. You paid your bills, but there still was something in your way. He said, but I've been waiting. I've been putting all those things in your way because I've been waiting. I'm waiting. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. That problem you had, that was me waiting on you. That situation that got in your way, I've been waiting on you. When you prayed earnestly and you didn't see things move because you heard people say, "The and prayer of a righteous man availed much." You got yourself together and you start doing this, that, and the other, so you get favor with me. But I didn't let it come to pass because I've been, right now. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. You've made too many, too many, too many promises. You've made too many words. The Bible said his tongue boasts great things. Yeah, I know it'll make everybody get up. <laughs> I know the word of story. It'll yeah, make you move. It'll make you move. It'll make you stretch. It make you start remembering some things you said, things people didn't told you, how God used you. How, how you can speak, and people begin to listen, and, and you do things, and people begin to sing. You get choirs together, you get people together, and people move at your direction, move at your word. And, and, and all of a sudden, you go back on your word, what you told God. But God was to know how to stir you up. Paul told Timothy, He said, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that lies within you. Timothy didn't know what he had. But Paul saw something in him. And Paul told him "Say, look, I know you have it because your grandma got it. <laughs> your, grandma, your grandma Eunice got it. And, and the same thing got in that, that she had in her, you got it in you. All you need to do, stir sure it up. Stir sure it up the gift. You got it. But you don't know that you have it. Other people can see it. But you can't. And it was something you said to God, that God is trying to get you to go back and keep your word. You say that you was a deacon, get back on your job. You say you was in a choir, get back to singing. You say you was a director, get back to directing. You say you're a preacher, start preaching. You got to Watch. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. The Bible says out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. He said, brother, he said, these things here ought not to be. He said, can a, can a fountain give sweet and bitter water at the same time? He said, can a, can a, can a, can a vine give figs? Or can a fig tree Give grace. That's contrary to nature. So, how in the world could you bless God with one mouth and then curse men who's in the similitude of God out of the same mouth? He said, that's contrary to nature. He said, these things ought not to be. He said, the tongue is the world of iniquity, it can set a whole course of nature on fire, it's very destructive. It can do one or two things for you. It can be a blessing or it can be a curse. So we need to do what? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch what come out your mouth. Watch your mouth. I remember when I was a young kid, we was around older folks and we said something in the, old, in the old folks' conversation, you know what they did? They bat you right in your mouth, right in your mouth. I remember hearing my, great, my, my grandmother saying that, that when she was coming up, they, they would spit in your face. They would spit in your face. Now, I never saw it, but I, I saw them. They'll bat you in your mouth when I was a young boy. So you got to watch your mouth. Watch what come out your mouth. Watch what you say to people. Watch what you say to God. Because when we say to God, he expects us to keep our word. I remember when I was a young minister, I wanted to be all of this and all of that. And so it was talking about fasting, how you're able to kill this flesh. And you know you. You know some things you was battling with, some things you were fighting, so you want to kill this flesh. And so I went to God and said, Lord, I'm going to fast for a week. I'm going to fast for a week. It got around that full day. I'm working. It's in the summertime. I said, I can't do this. I didn't went as far as I can go. And so what I did, I went to, I went to my pastor. Took, I went around everybody's house on my lunch hour. Drove around there in the company truck and told my pastor, Pastor, I told God I was going to fast for a week. I said, but I can't go no more. I'm hurting. I'm this, that, and the other. You know what my pastor told me? Mem, that's between you and God. (laughs) That's between you and God. You said something to God, and God expects us to hold, to keep our vow. If you made a vow to God, now that's on you. He couldn't tell me to break my vow to God because then he would be in more trouble with God than me. But after those seven days was up, I learned my lesson that I got to watch my mouth. Watch what I say to God because God required and expect us to keep our word. So we thank God for this word. Thank God for the message that we need to watch our mouth. Because other people suffer for something that comes out of our mouth. And I was saying to God, I hate to see my son laying up there and going through what he's going through. I said, but God, you're using him. On that bed of affliction, you're using him to get all of us together. And you know when things happen, you remember a whole lot of things that you said. You remember a whole lot of things you did. You remember a whole lot of things you should have did that you didn't do. He'll bring some remembrance back to you. All it takes is just a little pain for you to go through. So we thank God for the word. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Our Father and our God, we thank you once again for those who have assembled in your house, as well as those who called to listen in. And we do pray that something resonated with someone, if not everyone, about our mouths. Our mouths get us in a whole lot of trouble or think they can get us a, a whole lot of blessings if we learn how to praise God for the things that he has done. Now, Father, we, uh, we, as we're about to be dismissed from this place, but never from your presence, we pray that the grace and mercy of God rest, rule, and abide us henceforth and not forever. Let us all respond by saying, amen.